The Vietnamese fought 22 wars against China. They fought the French, they fought the Cambodians, they fought us. There's been so much turmoil and strife in Vietnam's history. And as a result, a lot of Vietnamese <laughs> don't really want to look backwards. They want to look forward. The remarkable journey of America and Vietnam from bitter adversaries to friends and partners. Today on In Asia from the Asia Foundation. I'm Tracy Young. And I'm John Rieger. Our guest today is Ted Osius, a diplomat for 30 years and now a trustee of the Asia Foundation. He served from 2014 to 2017 as U.S. Ambassador to Vietnam, where he was the first U.S. Ambassador to receive that country's Order of Friendship. In his latest book, Nothing is Impossible, America's Reconciliation with Vietnam, he chronicles the two nations' unlikely odyssey from foes to friends. He joins us today to talk about the book and some of the highlights of his long diplomatic career. Ambassador Osius, welcome to In Asia. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, John. I'm really happy to be here with you today. Ambassador, as someone who is old enough to have faced the draft and lived through the awful turmoil and loss of the war years, I found your new book quite bittersweet. How were the United States and Vietnam able to put that conflict behind them? And where did the spirit of reconciliation come from? A lot of the energy for reconciliation came from Vietnam, from the Vietnamese. Vietnamese are quite practical. And after the war, there was a terrible famine. People who lived through that period talk about how awful it was year after year not to have enough food. Uh, there had been a, a, a terrible long war between Vietnam and Cambodia, and then a there was a 12-year war between Vietnam and China. And uh, Nguyen Ke Tak, who later became foreign minister, saw an opportunity to have an opening with the United States. He had, a, he had an old friend who had been, he had gotten to know during the Paris peace talks, Bill Sullivan, later an ambassador. And he reached out and he said, you know, we're under economic embargo. Um, we want to have a relationship with the United States. There was also a lot of, um, of residual bitterness among the American uh, electorate as manifested by the, the MIA POW movement. Well, that's, that's the era of the Rambo films. And there was a, this myth, this idea that there were Americans being held in tiger cages in Southeast Asia. And, uh, you know, you think of the, the POW MIA flag and that period of time after we didn't win the war, where there was a great deal of hostility in the United States towards Vietnam. So it really was an enormous political risk on both sides. Nguyen Katak actually was put in under house arrest for five years for his role in speeding up reconciliation. And people like uh, Senator John McCain and John Kerry were vilified for their efforts to try to bring the two countries together. John McCain, who'd suffered terribly, uh, was called a Manchurian candidate and people and veterans threw things at him and, and they thought he was a traitor for trying to establish a relationship with Vietnam. And I, I argue in my book, that's quite the, that quite the opposite. He was a hero. Do you remember um, in your experience feeling kind of that turning point of this adversarial relationship? Well, I, I was, that's what I hoped for. I was one of the first diplomats to go to, to Vietnam and I signed up because I thought, wow, what if we could 
build the foundation for a new relationship? What if that's possible? Wouldn't that be great to be part of? And then I was lucky, you know, it, it, that's the way it turned out. We, we, we built a completely different relationship. You know, despite going to the Elliott School, I still find uh, the diplomatic temperament quite mysterious. <laughs> um, what makes a great ambassador and who taught you the most important lessons about your profession? Well, maybe I answer the second question first. The the two people who taught me the most were um, Leon Firth, who was National Security Advisor to Vice President Al Gore, and Cameron Hume, who was a four-time Chief of Mission uh, diplomat for forty-two years, uh, and my boss three times. Cameron, in particular, f- focused me on the significance of relationships. Uh, he said, Dip- "Diplomacy is all about relationships. You know, you get involved in matters of high policy, but you're not going to be able to move things forward if you don't haven't built trust. And trust is based on relationships and on doing things together. And he taught me that in words, but he showed me. More importantly, uh, he showed me during the many years that we worked together. Ambassador, in your case, effective diplomacy seems to have involved a lot of bicycling." Uh, tell us a bit about your bicycle diplomacy. Well, I really like to bike. Uh, so it really started from that. Just uh, I enjoy biking. And on my first tour in Vietnam, I took a group of friends from Hanoi to Saigon. It's about 1,200 miles. Wow. And it was so interesting and so much fun. And we learned so much about the country. In fact, it's better to be on a bicycle in some ways than in a limousine. You know, when you're in an air-conditioned limousine and you've got dark tinted windows, you're not having much interaction. But when you're on a bicycle, there's nothing between you and people. And I I speak Vietnamese, I love Vietnam, I loved interacting with Vietnamese. So I found bicycling and talking to people super effective for figuring out what was going on and getting a, a, getting a feel for, for what was happening in the country. And so as ambassador, I biked all over the place. You're clearly fond of the Vietnamese people, and you say that they're fond of Americans. Um, What is the source of that affinity? You know, that's you talked about diplomacy being mysterious. That's kind of a mysterious thing. Um, My my understanding, the best I can understand this, is that the, the Vietnamese fought 22 wars against China. They fought the French. They fought the Cambodians. They've they fought us. There, there was there's been so much turmoil and strife in Vietnam's history, and as a result, a lot of Vietnamese <laughs> don't really want to look backwards. They 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 want to look forward, and they want to think about what might be possible for their children and grandchildren that wasn't possible for them. And just a short story, um, on that first bicycle trip I took from Hanoi to Saigon, um, I stopped on a bridge in uh, the DMZ, the former DMZ, Quang Tri province. And I looked out over the landscape and there were these ponds all over the place. Um, And a a woman slightly older, started talking with me. And so I asked her in Vietnamese, what, uh, why are there these 
kind of funny shaped pond, ponds. And she said, well, that's where the Americans dropped bombs. And um, she went on to ex explain that Americans had dropped bombs on her village and uh, killed members of her family. And I kind of felt, you know, as, as she was explaining this, I felt worse and worse, but I thought, well, I, gotta, I have to fess up. And so I told her, um, I, I represent the United States. I work, I work for the embassy. And she took, she took a, a long look and she said, uh, today you and I are brother and sister. What a story. So I told that uh, story to the senators who, who confirmed me because I wanted them to understand, you know, something about that spirit that I found everywhere in Vietnam, that willingness to go beyond the past and look toward a future. So you are the father of two in a same-sex interracial marriage. Yes. How was your family received in Vietnam? It's a conservative country. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I gave some real thought to it. And the first appearance we made, we arrived at the airport. I was the new ambassador. And uh, my 85-year-old mother was traveling with us. And we appeared as a three-generational family. You know, grandmother, uh, dads, uh, and, and children. And that was something Vietnamese could relate to. And over time, we discovered that we were welcome everywhere that you know it didn't really matter that our family looked different from other families we were so welcome in that country and uh, then something very interesting happened during our first year uh, a wonderful woman ruth bader ginsburg decided to visit vietnam and justice ginsburg uh, came to our home stayed with us and at my request performed a, a ceremony to renew our wedding vows. And I think when we, you know, originally thought of this, we thought of it as kind of a political action. Uh, this was just after the Obergefell decision by the Supreme Court. And so we could show people, you know, you can have a marriage, love, um, and a career and be yourself. And um, it did that. And, and we, for the rest of our time, uh, we would be approached by, you know, we're traveling or uh, at a restaurant, we were approached by young people all the time who'd say, oh, you know, I, I, I came out to my parents after I learned about you. Wow. Asia Foundation trustee and former U.S. ambassador to Vietnam, Ted Osius. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tracy. And thank you, John. And that's our show for this week. The book, once again, is Nothing is Impossible, America's Reconciliation with Vietnam. Coming up next time, after beating a path to post-war prosperity that's been the envy of Asia and the world, South Korea suddenly finds itself in a profound malaise, with plummeting birth rates and a generation of disaffected youth who call their country hell. The paradox on the Han River on the next in Asia. Until then, I'm John Rieger. And I'm Tracy Young. Thanks for listening.